0: and i think for many of the viewers they're convinced it's 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 like a hyp- hypnosis <laughs> this is the most dramatic season of the bachelorette you know what? you will believe that this is the most <laughs> dramatic season because i'm saying it
1: Dear Shandy, welcome back to dear shandy listeners hello andy oh hello episode eight ish today. That's a
0: lot of episodes. It is
1: a lot of episodes, although I'm not sure we can say that this counts as a full episode. I was
0: taken off guard. I was expecting (laughs) my full dose of of Bachelorette. Yeah. And I got like a a quarter at best.
1: That's not to say that there is not a ton to analyze about what we did get in terms of a real episode. True. But, yes, what did you think of your first... I feel like this is the first tell-all you've seen from beginning to end with the context of the season. Uh...
0: I've dabbled in the tell-alls. I've seen, I've saw yours. Okay. And I've, I've seen, you know, I've seen bits and pieces of Uh tell-alls. This is what I'll say about tell-alls. Parts of them are my favorite parts about the whole franchise. And most of them I like less than the episodes.
1: Okay. That's fair. Yeah. I've always loved tell-alls, but I have gathered over the years that this is an unpopular opinion
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and that most people sort of kind of, I think some people don't even watch them to be honest. For me, my big appeal with tell-alls is to see how people behave given how they've seen themselves on TV, but increasingly you don't really see much of a difference because most of the time, not most of the time, some of the time it's an audition for Paradise, so there's incentive to continue to keep the same well, yeah, conflict I, I alive. do
0: feel like if I had one takeaway from the tell-alls, I feel like that... Certain parts are very forced. Like I feel yeah. like certain actors in the tell-all <laughs> are very eager to, you know, get their soapbox moments. Yes. And a lot of the, the dialogue seems a little forced. Like they're just like, think of something to say, make it interesting for some people and make it loud and keep talking and you'll get on Paradise. That's the, I get the feeling it's like an audition, as you yeah, said.
1: Yeah. For what it's worth, I found this tell-all shockingly harmonious comparatively mm. to other ones in the past except, recent ones
0: except for the, uh, the the standoff between carl and brendan
1: <laughs> but speaking of brendan he is an example of a guy who we saw a lot more of in this setting he had a lot more personality i than we saw more
0: thought. i saw more of brendan's personality in this tell-all than i did all season
1: yeah but we're getting ahead of ourselves mm-hmm. shall we go back to the beginning of episode eight and recap in order
0: oh yes the episode yes the epi the the episode ah like a novella as opposed to a novel. Okay. This was an episode. It was
1: an episode.
0: Not a full episode.
1: <laughs> so episode eight kicks off with a stroll with Taysha. So Katie and Taysha are strolling in the forest mm, as, nice as one does. That's what they on do. this season. And a lot of nothing is said here for, for the most part, I would say. But notably, Katie admits that she has not yet told anyone she's falling in love with them. Which I think is a funny thing to admit. But she does admit this. Mm-hmm. And right off the bat, very early in the episode, we get our first scared. If you tuned in last week, we told you to keep count of how many times you hear the word scared in mm-hmm. this episode. Mm-hmm. And here we get one with Taysha. Are you scared? And in response, Katie gives us number two. It's not that I'm scared. I think. So right off the bat, two scareds. hmm. Katie tells Tasha that she feels the one thing she can give her fiance in all of this is knowing that he is the only person that she said the L word to, which I think is respectable. Oh, yeah, I don't think that's strange. No. <laughs> I thought Taisha's advice here was pretty f- funny. And of course, it's only natural that she'll come at it from her perspective. And she did tell more than one person on her season that she was falling in love with him. But she's like, my perspective is if you're feeling it, say it. <laughs> I mean, to me, this is such host speak.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Like only trouble can come from telling multiple people you're falling in love with them. Either trouble or hurt. Mm -hmm. And to me, this comes back to what I said last week, which is that I think Katie is an empath because I really think that she wants to mediate that as much as possible. She wants to hurt as little as possible throughout her journey as Bachelorette. Yes. And I just thought it was neat to see this contrast because you don't normally get... The host encouraging the lead to just say I, that they're falling in love with multiple people. Right. if they're feeling it.
0: Right, it's the if, if it feels good, do it philosophy.
1: Yeah, exactly. Which I I, I agree with Katie on this. Yeah, me too. Tasha here reveals that it was during hometowns that she felt she got clarity mm-hmm. with Zach because she really fell in love with his family or felt she could picture herself with them. And I do believe this, but I also believe Tasha is a host who. Knows that this is probably what she should say heading into hometown
2: week. Yes.
1: <laughs> I mean, I really like Taisha, but yeah, a lot of this conversation felt like the right thing to say to elicit a certain response and reaction, yes. and, and to plant certain seeds in Katie's mind. Maybe that's just me thinking cynically. No,
0: Taisha is the the hostess with the mostest hostess.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> Uh, back at the house the men are in a man chat about their excitement over hometowns (laughs) and michael is the main guy we're zooming in on here for obvious reasons he of course talks about his son james and how he's sort of struggling james is not there that said he felt that the week prior katie had answered questions that quote had literally been burning at his brain (laughs) since he got there
0: (laughs) yes he actually has some scars in his brain Mm -hmm. literally literally
1: Back on the stroll, we get our third scare, duh. Taysha asks, Are you scared at all for this week? We're already at three. Mm -hmm, Fast. Surprising, actually, I would say, for this word. I wasn't expecting so many scares. And and an
0: abbreviated episode as well.
1: You know what it is. Taysha likes saying the word scared.
0: Yep. That was the trick of this game. Yes. We had a person who was very willing to throw around, (laughs) to bandy around the word scared.
1: Yes. Andy, what should the word, watch, word be for next week?
0: I've decided that the word, watch, word should be decision. That is my decision.
1: Got that, guys? Word, watch for next week is decision. And here, Katie expresses excitement over potentially becoming an instant mom with Michael. Yeah. Which, of course, serves as foreshadowing. Mm -hmm. So, back at the house, Michael FaceTimes his son, James... And he says in a voiceover that James is not there out of protection for him. Mm -hmm. And I got to say, these FaceTime moments are always so, so cute. They are. He definitely seems like a great dad. And here we get an interesting exchange between the two of them that I couldn't help but dissect. (laughs) James says something really heartbreaking he says maybe daddy left because he don't want to see me and at first I said this while we were watching it I was like that is such a perfect soundbite for production it's oh, like yeah. it's too good to be Mouths
0: true we're watering
1: yeah it's too good to be true that you would get that from yeah. a four-year-old over FaceTime like yeah. it's just it tugs on all the I almost
0: like the darkest bachelorette part of me feels like <laughs> someone told him to say that <laughs>
1: <laughs> well so it's not that I don't think he said something along these lines no. but When I went back and listened again, Michael says, we can spend all that time together once I'm done with this work trip. Mm -hmm. And then James says, and this is weird, and I'm gonna insert it, this weird sort of overlay of sounds where he says, sounds like a plan, I know what the problem is.
2: We can spend all that time together once I'm
0: done with this work trip.
1: Sounds Sounds like a plan sounded like the actual response to what Michael had just said, but then it sounded like they inserted in, I know what the problem is. Maybe, mm, daddy, mm, left because he don't want to see me. So they inserted oh. daddy in there. Maybe daddy left because
0: he don't want to see me. They're Franken-biting a three-year-old. <laughs> there should be, there, I think there's like OSHA laws against that.
1: Here's the thing. Obviously, James said something along these lines, mm-hmm. right, because Michael sure. had a really big reaction yeah, and then yeah. he left over it. So I'm not claiming that production put words in the four year old. No, they now. just cleaned it up. I think they cleaned it up. Yeah. I think they were trying to drive a point home, maybe make it more concise or may- maybe make it tug on the heartstrings a little bit more than it otherwise would have. Mm-hmm. And also they added subtitles. Right. So they were really just trying just to, to dry- make sure yeah. you didn't
0: miss that. <laughs>
1: they were driving a point. Yeah, home we worked here. really
0: hard to put this sentence together. <laughs> we don't want you to miss it. Yes,
1: I don't think it really changes the narrative. It of doesn't. Michael's the content was there,
0: but the the actual phrasing might have been altered.
1: Yes. So then Michael has a breakdown, understandably. Mm-hmm. Here he says sure. he's the only certain thing I have in my life. He says he feels conflicted, guilty, and selfish. And then. As he walked towards Katie's room down the hallway, I said, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. And you said, I'm not worried. This is bullshit.
0: (laughs) Mm, I don't know why you have to bring that up. but (laughs) Yes, I did say that. I said that out of a defensive nature. I I knew that this was not looking good. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to believe it was going to work out, but I, I didn't feel great about it.
1: It's funny. Sometimes the previews are so off base that... You don't trust them to the point where you think that the They're opposite is going to trick happen. You. Yeah. yeah, like right. the preview suggested Michael might leave for this exact reason. This, yes. But in this case, they just previewed exactly what happened, which I don't actually think is that great a call.
0: Well, this is what I will say. I think it was like reverse psychology in the sense, reverse reverse psychology in the sense that Michael is such a straight shooter. Like if Michael makes acts like he's about to leave, Michael's about to leave. And like they, by previewing that, they were almost like it was like meta, it was like reverse, reverse psychology. Like, oh, Michael's leaving. But everyone's like, oh, no, if Michael's leaving, that means he's not leaving. Which Michael, (laughs) if he was leaving, would be leaving.
1: It's It's very confusing. No, it's true. And the previews sort of do this, like it kind of plays with your mind that way. Because you're right. If they show someone leaving, then it's like
2: but He's are they leaving. living?
1: Like, it's the same way with Greg, with all the previews with Greg mm-hmm. looking like he may leave. I'm like, right. but does he leave? I'm starting to doubt that he actually leaves.
0: Yeah, most of these these cliffhangers where someone's about to leave or something terrible's about to happen are followed in the actual episode, like 15 seconds later, by the music getting all suddenly nice with, like, violins and everything's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. okay again. Yeah, yeah, yes. But in this case, he left.
1: Yes. I kind of wish they hadn't previewed this, to be honest. And I say that because... Yeah. I think this would have been a lot more shocking and powerful had we not really seen it coming, I guess.
0: You know, in tradition, they should have previewed something where Michael is saying something very heartfelt to Katie. They Mm -hmm. could have even shown it in that departing scene, Mm -hmm. but just twisted the meaning of it.
1: Yeah, I feel like the impact of this scene was lessened by that one preview that gave it away, personally. Yeah. Anyway, so he visits Katie... And he sort of tells her what had happened, and he tells her about their journey, how he was skeptical coming into this, but he really saw it with her. Katie is super upset, and I think understandably so. And
0: I'd like to just make a disclaimer here. Yeah. I know that I sold my soul on Michael winning this season, <laughs> and I base my predictions on what I'm reading in Katie's heart.
1: Oh, okay.
0: So I believe that Katie was going to pick Michael. I believe he was going to win but he chose to leave
1: i'm torn because while well, i think katie was really upset mm-hmm. and you aptly by the way said you said her reaction is very telling it's not histrionic she's very quiet she is genuinely upset yes we were really analyzing how upset we thought she was also how upset we thought he was mm. which was not super More upset. telling I'm not saying he wasn't feeling it. You're
0: always going to be upset in that situation. You've been through this whole journey. Yeah, You've yeah. expressed these feelings, whether they're sincere or not. It doesn't yeah. matter. You've gotten enveloped in this. Yeah. The goodbye is going to be, a. it's going to be like saying goodbye to like, like you're on a two month vacation in like Kauai, you know? <laughs> and then you're like, oh, I got to leave. You're always going to be sad, yeah. right? It's the end of a journey. His sadness didn't rise above what I thought was the level of sadness. Any contestant who'd been on that show for that amount yes. of time would have had.
1: I agree, and I'm torn because, I of course, you get that there's the push-pull. Like He is probably more excited to see James or, or thinks that he's making the right decision more than he is sad that he's losing Katie yes. or leaving Katie behind. So he has something to look forward to. It's mm-hmm. not like he's just leaving because he doesn't feel right. it, which would be a lot more difficult, actually. We always talk about catalysts yes. here on the pod mm-hmm. in our relationship episodes. And... He had a catalyst, which makes a decision like this a hell of a lot easier.
0: Well, it's like breaking up with someone knowing you have someone who's yes. waiting in the wings.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's suddenly so much easier to <laughs> so break up easy. with someone yeah. when you're leaving them for someone else. Right. We're going to go into this in more detail in a bit. But first, I want to go in chronological order. So he gives her or sorry, re-gives her the stopwatch he gave her on night one because she hadn't had pockets to right. hold onto to it, Classy which is cute. Move. And he said, I gave that to you because I understood the importance of time. When you're here, the two things you just constantly talk about are time and love, which, by the way, is so true. Mm -hmm. And I just really love that he verbalized it like this. Like he really put into words a real truth about the contestant experience, Mm -hmm. which I always talk about in my recaps. The contestant experience is almost entirely about love and time. Time is up there with love. He says, I thought that love was going to be the harder one to attain, and it wasn't. We ran out of time. I can't help but wish we had more in a different world with different circumstance, because I do think it would have worked. And then Katie says, I know it would have worked. As selfish as I want to be, I want to beg you to stay. I just know that's not an option. So I support you going home to James. I think what I really like about this is that he touches on how different the experience must be for a single parent, because... You know, the concept of time, if you've already quit your job or, or told your work that you're leaving and not going to be back for nine weeks or whatever, however long it is, you know, you can really put a pin in many aspects of your life. But you, the one thing you cannot put a pin in is your child or being a parent to your child. Your your child is going to continue to develop and grow right, up and right, do all the things. Right. Like most people can go into into the bubble and and be cut off from the outside world. It's not that I didn't, take this into account with other single parents on the show, I think this just really put that into perspective for me. Yeah. I was more just objectively thinking, oh, that's so difficult. You must miss your child. Mm-hmm. But it really does touch on the time aspect of everyone's lives are always trucking forward. But you just really have your own life to worry about. But he doesn't have just his life to worry sure. about. His kid is growing up when he sees James again. I'm sure James will look older to him, like physically larger.
0: Mm-hmm. Two weeks. I mean, is I think two weeks is—is is it, it? Let's let's quantify this. Is it two weeks that he's sacrificing? Is it three weeks? How much time is he basically? Well, at any
1: rate, he has been there for around seven weeks. And
0: how many more weeks would it be if he like won the whole thing? How many more weeks?
1: Nine weeks.
0: Nine more weeks.
1: Oh, sorry, two more weeks. That's so what nine I'm weeks saying. total. It's
0: two weeks. So okay. This oh, is
1: okay. So now we're gonna start getting into what you yeah. think was actually happening here. <laughs>
0: Look, I'm not discounting the the bond he has with his son or how much he wants to see his son, but let's be honest here. He put in seven weeks, okay? <laughs> okay. Seven weeks to two weeks. I'm not. I'm no. Uh, you know, math PhD, but it's a lot more than two weeks, right? Yes. So if you put in seven weeks and you've met the girl of your dreams, who who will potentially like fill the void, and you're not going to spend another. Two weeks on top of the seven just to see that through. I don't buy it. I, and again, I'm not discounting how much he wants to see his son or how important the bond between a father and a young son is. Obviously, I get it. Mm-hmm. He also doesn't have his wife. So it's really like more of more, even more. So it's really a battle between romantic love and the love of a child. And I have to, I have to say, love rules. Like if he truly, deeply loved Katie. He would stick it out for another two weeks. My father went to Vietnam for one year. My sister was two years old. Not even, she wasn't even two. He went to Vietnam for a year, didn't see her for a year well wow. to serve his country. And I'm not saying that <laughs> how dare you not honor your country by staying on the bad side on <laughs> two weeks. It's not a perfect parallel, but you get my point. It's like things happen. Sometimes, you know, you just have to do something. And I think even more important than going to Vietnam, certainly. I mean, I wish he hadn't done that, but you just met the love of your life, the person you want to spend the rest of your life with, the person who you want to be the mother of your child. He didn't feel it. And I'm, and again, not discounting the feelings for his son or the importance of seeing his son. I know based on just mathematical correlation, he did not feel enough with Katie to want to stick it out another two weeks to make that sacrifice.
1: So I'm a little torn on this. I don't know if I completely agree with you. And I've been thinking about this a lot. Obviously, we discussed it when we watched last night. And yeah.
0: Can I add one more thing? Sure. I forgot.
1: Sure.
0: (laughs) I didn't want to interrupt you. Yeah. Time. Okay. So there's love and time, right? Yeah. So he's leaving the show. But just because he's leaving the show doesn't mean their relationship is over she could just pick whoever she wants do a few social media posts do an interview with people and us weekly and six (laughs) months later break it off and go back with michael yes right yes what's to stop them from doing that but he made a clear break there he was like i'm sorry we ran out of time ran out of time bs some people (laughs) go away for like as my father like go away to war Go away to whatever. They're a journalist. They have to go to Iraq for six months. Like, Mm -hmm. people deal with time. They deal with distance. There's nothing to say that this relationship couldn't have picked up after, well after the show was over and she had broken up with whoever she picked as her mate.
1: Yes. And it's actually interesting how Andrew S.'s departure suggested that more than Michael's. Mm -hmm. Like, there was more of a, there was a card. Like, if this doesn't work out, call me. Right. I can see what you mean. I'm glad you added that because it had more of this finality to it mm-hmm. than even Andrew S, who right. wasn't leaving because yes. of a kid he has. And it's interesting how that was revisited at Mental All. Mm-hmm. You know, his interview with Caitlin and Natasha was very much along the lines of, yeah, if she's ever single, you know, I I'm still open to it. Right. I'm still there mentally. I guess I'm torn because I feel like his perspective on it reflects his age and experience. Like mm-hmm. he has Definitely. had a 16 year relationship that resulted in a child. He lost his wife and, and then he's got his son who is just, he, he, As he talked about it in, in a voiceover or in an ITM, he was talking about how he felt like he never wants his son to feel like he's not enough. He's already lost his mom. And so I think there's almost... a. It's more than just wanting to be there to spend time with his son. I think it's more that he's terrified of doing something wrong as a parent. I so agree. there's that. But also, just taking into account his age, I feel it's much more of a 26-year-old perspective to be like, if I don't stay and and see this through then we'll never be together. I think it's more of a 36-year-old response to be like, well, if I leave and she picks someone else then it was never meant to be. But if we f- if we reconvene at some point in the future then you know we know there's something there. There's more of a relaxed like hands-off approach to it do you know what i mean i
0: get it and, and you know in other episodes of our podcast yeah non-bachelor episodes yeah. you know i often talk about how playing it cool is the best move in these situations yes. not game playing just playing it cool yeah acting like you can the buddhist mentality like i can live without this mm-hmm. that's always a strong move but in this case i'm sorry but no one is going to be that cool <laughs> if you wanted to spend the rest of your life with this woman yeah. You would make it explicitly clear in that moment how you felt. There would be... I hate to quantify crying, but there'd be more tears. From There'd him. be more emotion. And there'd be more like leaving it open. Like, who knows? He'd, he never once said who knows what the future will bring i've even pulled that line in breakups where i was 1000 <laughs> percent sure that this was never happening again yeah like who knows? Yeah, who knows you do what it the, to soften the six blow year, a couple years from now six months from now who knows what'll happen that's just a line yeah he didn't even pull that it was like nothing
1: yeah but do you not think him saying we ran out of time is sort of him saying that
0: but ran out of time is that's final that's like That's it. We ran out of time. The clock's up. The bomb went off. That's it. It's over. Like, it was very, I mean, either he's the coolest guy in the world or he wasn't set on Katie.
1: I don't totally disagree with you. I see why you're saying everything you're saying. I think what I'm torn on is feeling like the way he left exuded such a confidence in what they shared, where it would suggest he thought they could pick it up after it was all over. Mm. Almost like he doesn't fully grasp that she's supposed to end up engaged to someone at the end of this process (laughs) do you know what i mean but then the other side of me is like he really wasn't i i'm not a body language expert but he didn't seem that upset to me
0: and and there is a third scenario here okay Let's not discount how excited he may be about having the opportunity to select from 27 women <laughs> in a few months.
1: Well, we think Michael is definitely becoming bachelor. And by the way, no complaints about that.
0: No, I think his, he's going to be a great bachelor. Yeah,
1: his departure in no way made me think that he would be less of a bachelor.
0: And to be honest with you, I think unlike Thomas and many other people on the season, yeah. I don't think Michael was had his sights set on being bachelor. No. I don't think not only that his sights it, I don't even think he was thinking about it. No. I really think he went on this show with the right intentions. I think he went on this
1: <laughs> on this show to have a moment for himself, mm-hmm. to really try and find his happiness as we talk about or as he talks about later in Mental All which, right. which we will get to. I really think it was just like I need I'm trying to find myself, which right. is really what I think this experience should be about. Absolutely. So I think he was 100% sincere in that. I do think he was sincere in his feelings for her. And I'm torn because on one side, I agree with you. Would he have really left behind the woman of his dreams? Nope. Knowing that she could instead choose someone else. But then I also think at 36, you have a sort of understanding of the world and relationships to be like, well, if she's going to end up engaged to someone else in two weeks, then it was never mine to begin with. Like this was never supposed to be. Which is kind of the way I think, by the way. Mm I just think it reflects his maturity in a way to not think that, oh, if I leave, then we'll never be together. No.
0: Everything Michael's done throughout this whole season Exudes reflects maturity, his maturity, except yes. asking for the kiss. I, I don't know. <laughs> but I just conflicting opinions He did facepalm
1: at that. Yes. <laughs> so in an ITM after Michael leaves, Katie says it just doesn't feel right. Our connection is still there, but it's unexplored. All I'm looking for is to be in love and find my person, and it's very possible my person just left. Mm -hmm. I'm torn, like, was was the whole thing that... It felt a little anticlimactic. The tears shed. Katie shed more than him, for Mm -hmm. sure. But even so, I felt by her breakdown that either they didn't show all of it, or she was never really gonna pick him. Like, I feel like if Greg left, she would have three times the reaction, histrionic or not.
0: Um, I don't think we'll ever know because we'll never, s- well, we may actually, <laughs> but we may not ever see her in that scenario, but we may. <laughs> um, but I agree that she probably could have ended up a little bit, To If he was definitely the top pick, but I don't know Katie well enough. I just feel like, look, she threw up apparently from just having a bad conversation with Hunter. (laughs) I mean, who she didn't even wasn't even in her top six. So who knows? Maybe you're right. Maybe it was was not enough.
1: You know what I think it is? And I said it last week and I'm going to keep bringing it up, I think. I don't want to be a broken record, but it reflects, again, the empath vibes. Like, I think if Katie had hurt Michael the way he just hurt her, mm-hmm. she would be crying five times as much because she would feel so awful. Mm-hmm. But when it's her own hurt, I don't know if she shows it in the same well, way. Well, that's
0: why I made the point of noticing that she it was a quiet pain she was mm-hmm. experiencing. It wasn't histrionic. Yeah. And I think that's the, that's the gear she's in when she's genuinely upset, not camera upset.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting if Greg does leave yeah. to compare the two. No, there will be a comparison. <laughs> we'll be taking notes of how much she cries if someone else leaves. It's so We'll have a
0: two-hour episode comparing the crying from Greg versus the crying from Michael.
1: Uh, this show makes sickos out of everyone. It does. To close this conversation, I just want to include this quote you said last night, Andy, which is, he never would have left unless he knew it wasn't going to work. Love always wins. Which, by the way, is sweet. It shows your romantic side. I'm a hopeless romantic. You are. Well
0: oh, now hopeful. I've, I've, I've graduated from hopeless because I'm now married right? Isn't that, isn't that the end of that?
1: <laughs> huh. So do you stand by that quote? I do. I wonder if that makes you more of a romantic than me.
0: I think I'm definitely more of a romantic than you.
1: <laughs> I've never really <laughs> no thought offense. about it. No No I think you're right.
0: You're more pragmatic. I'm
1: way more pragmatic. For me I see this and it's it is almost mathematical. It's mm-hmm. like well if she could just as easily end up engaged to someone else in two weeks, then there's no loss no, here. You
0: got you to think with the heart, not with the mind.
1: I mean, that's debatable. This uh, To me, this is as much about the mind.
0: Oh, well, it, the heart is affected by the mind, but I'm saying in the end, the heart dictates.
1: It depends who you talk to.
0: <laughs> we'll agree to disagree.
1: We'll agree to disagree. I feel like we just spent as much time talking about this segment as the segment actually took. Yes, (laughs) that was
0: was a (laughs) real-time recap.
1: (laughs) We just, there was a lot to observe here.
0: Yes, I think it's the most pivotal moment in the whole show. This is the first time she was faced with, I believe, true, unavoidable emotional reaction. Mm. And I believe, I still believe, that Michael was going to be her pick. I made that bed and I'm still sleeping. I
1: just have a hard time agreeing with that. I just feel like if she really thought she was going to get engaged to him and move to Ohio to be the stepmother to James, she would have had... Bigger reaction. I don't. Am I crazy? There's
0: a limit to how much reaction you can have on this show. She can't (laughs) completely have a total meltdown. Like,
1: I mean, for me, it always, you never saw Desiree's season, and I always go back to that scene where Brooks left, which, after having read her book, by the way, you know, it gives great context. But at the time, watching Desiree's reaction to Brooks leaving, you couldn't help but think she was going to pick him.
0: Okay. I didn't see that, but I trust you.
1: Yeah, I I just think it has happened on the show. Although, you know, according to from the horse's mouth, she was always going to pick Chris. So I'm not I'm not suggesting that she was going to pick him. But and of course, everyone's different. Everyone's going to react in different ways, especially when there's cameras on them. And of course, we're only we only know about as much as we're shown. It's possible she spent the whole day crying. I just can't help but think that if she had spent the whole day crying, they would have shown that.
0: I think you're right. I, I i the jury is out on the emotional response. I think the, the the tenor of the emotional response was different, and for that reason, I gave it more weight, but the volume of the emotion, the emotional <laughs> response was lighter. so <laughs> yeah, which camp are you in?
1: All right, let's move on to Mantel All. also hosted by Keisha. I thought mm-hmm. they did a nice job here. sure. Right down to the fact that Taysha calls it one of the most dramatic seasons in Bachelor history, mm-hmm. which is Requisite. now proof, I think, that this is not a Chris Harrison-specific thing. Mm-hmm. For some reason, the powers that be love to try to convince us that the season we're currently watching is one of the most dramatic ever. And,
0: and I think for many of the viewers, they're convinced. It's, it's, it's like a hyp- hypnosis. <laughs> this is the most dramatic season of The Bachelorette. <laughs> You You will believe that this is the most dramatic season because I'm saying it for the third time.
1: (laughs) It reminds me of that Family Guy episode where Peter's watching Breaking Bad, and all Breaking Bad is is hypnosis about how good Breaking Bad is. (laughs) You will tell everyone you know that the best show you've ever seen is Breaking Bad, except for maybe The Wire.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's the best. So true.
1: Maybe there's something to that. I bet you there's data somewhere that proves this. Sort of like how there's data that Absolutely. that when you shop and there's like upbeat loud music, people buy more.
0: Can I be honest with you? Every time they say that, eighty percent of me is like ugh, and twenty percent is like hmm. Huh? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you felt that you're watching this. Yeah. You're like, oh, maybe oh, it's this a trigger. Was. Yeah. Every time
0: they say, it, I'm like, is it? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it is.
1: Okay, so at this Mentel all, there's Courtney Cody. Carl, Trey, Brendan, James, Kyle, Aaron, Connor B, Hunter, Andrew S, and Michael. Conspicuously missing.
0: They couldn't pay this guy enough to be there? They couldn't just go, hey, Thomas, here's five grand. Just come on the damn show.
1: I was actually talking about Mike P.
0: Oh. I'm embarrassed now. No, but All I mean... I was I thinking about was Thomas. Well,
1: Thomas, <laughs> they clearly wanted to make a whole thing about Thomas, which we'll get to. Yeah. But Mike P. Yeah. I mean, Mike P. was kind of a major player. Can I
0: be honest? As I said in the last recap, when he waved the white flag, he was done with the franchise. Yeah. Not just done with that season. <laughs> he's out. He's like back home enjoying <laughs> he's, his He's still reading lifestyle. those emails. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's catching up on 70,000 emails. <laughs>
1: So we get the usual recap of the season, and afterwards, Caitlin asks Aaron to explain the Cody thing. Mm -hmm. And Aaron alludes... It's honestly no clearer than it was on the show. He alludes to to thinking Cody's there for the wrong reasons for followers. He references reckless social media posts. Mm -hmm. And Brendan later says, what you posted was very disturbing. Mm. And by the way, I really want to know what he posted now, but I swear I looked... I'm also just, I don't go on Reddit for my own sanity. So I don't know what he posted. Mm -hmm. But I I imagine it's
0: something maybe like political political or offensive or 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 something.
1: Anyway, we know nothing more about that. But surprising nobody, Cody is no better at defending himself than he was on the show.
0: Just a, in, in like a trial, if he was ever accused of a crime, like falsely accused of any crime, he's going to prison.
1: It's actually yeah. a little sad. Yeah,
0: like his attorney would be like, this man did not commit this crime. <laughs> this was another perpetrator. And Cody's like, well, you know, it could. I don't know. I was I was a little sleepy that day. I don't know what I did. <laughs> It's amazing. He's the worst.
1: He's not great at defending himself. And then here Carl gets involved because Carl loves getting involved. He says, when you guys go after people, it's a witch hunt. And then, of course, it's now about Carl. And Carl is claiming that the guy, even though he said multiple guys, that the guy he was warning everyone about was Thomas. Yeah. Oh. How convenient.
0: Amazing. It's O.J. Simpson. (laughs) It's Bill Cosby. (laughs) Breaking
1: news. (laughs) Uh, It's sadly unsurprising that Carl would have taken this tack. He tells Brendan to shut the fuck up at one point. He does. And he says that he did make mistakes. And does this annoying thing that always bothers me. I don't like it when people sort of admit to making mistakes or they, they take responsibility and mm-hmm. then make this show of being like, have none of you ever made mistakes? Right, exactly. It's like, so you're taking responsibility, but then you're also kind of not.
0: You're not. It's like the two wrongs make a right. The whole thing, you know, empty apology. Like, well, I'm sorry you feel that yeah, way.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which will, there's also oh, one there's of those way. Yeah. There's
0: always one of those. <laughs> yeah,
1: there is always one of those. Actually, Hunter does a way better job of this to be like, I did this wrong. I own that. Again. Instead of being like, have none of you done anything wrong?
0: (laughs) Ever. (laughs) Ever. That's another defense Cody would say when he's innocent on his trial. (laughs) But uh, again, Hunter, we talk about age. It's such an advantage, I think. Like Hunter is 34. Yep. And he shows his age. Mm Mm-hmm. He's dealing. There are a lot of twenty-six-year-olds on this season. There Hunter's are, thirty-four. I'm not saying Hunter's better than anybody else, but Hunter handles these situations better. And who handles them the best? Thirty-six-year-old Michael. Yeah,
1: yep. it's so true. You can almost correlate someone's behavior with their exact age.
0: Except Andrew S., who's just time, yeah, Andrew S. Timeless. is an outlier. He's timeless? He's an outlier. Yeah,
1: but yeah, to me, Aaron is a great example. Mm-hmm. As mature as Aaron might look and sound, like his voice is kind of deep.
0: Does he do? <laughs> Anything but point fingers. Could you imagine being friends with this guy? Like, he'd be walking on eggshells constantly.
1: Yeah, Aaron is a giant paradise audition to me. Yeah. Like, he's totally. a walking paradise audition. Well, he
0: creates drama even when drama shouldn't be created.
1: I actually don't know if he'll be on paradise because I haven't looked it up he'll or anything. He'll be on paradise. <laughs> okay, but yeah. we, we feel confident Put my money he'll on be on that. paradise. So now Carl gets all worked up. He's standing up, talking to the audience, and being a little motivational speakery, mm-hmm. in my opinion.
2: Can't help and then
1: Brendan's kind of miffed, and he stands up. And then mm-hmm. Carl starts getting up, in, and Trey stands up between yeah, them. Everyone's standing. And Carl starts getting up in Brendan's face, which is a very well, curious it, choice. It just
0: shows that difference, like, you know, the big, beefy firefighter Canadian. Yeah. Like a guy steps to him. He's like, bro, this is like a Thursday night in any Toronto <laughs> bar. Like, please, you really? You think you're going to take, I. it's the coolness in the battle. It's like when I, you know, I used I was in a boxing gym for a long time. Yeah. And you could always tell who the best boxers were versus guys who were like, eh. Yeah. The best boxers walked around, the nicest guys, smiling, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nothing to prove. And the, and the guys who were, eh, were always like, yeah,
1: I'm going to kick your ass. Like, I'll show you. I think that could actually be applied to a lot of fields. Because I feel like singing is kind of similar. I know this is a really weird comparison. But when I think about the singers that shit talk other singers the most, Mm -hmm. the ones that are like criticizing their voice, their technique, their acting, you know, sort of picking apart other singers and generally being bitter about their success. It's usually the singer that's not the greatest. Right. The great singers are not wasting their time talking about how other singers aren't good.
0: And, And big dogs generally are not big barkers. But little tiny dogs love oh, to bark. Oh,
1: that's true. So are we calling Carl a chihuahua?
0: We are. <laughs> and, and similar to a fight between A Great Day and Anna Chihuahua, I believe that Carl would have been put to sleep in about 30 seconds by Brendan.
1: Yeah, Brendan certainly was not snuffing any conflict here. But I do not think that... He would lose a fight no. with Carl. <laughs> I think he was
0: confused. He's like, you're stepping to me. Do you understand <laughs> yeah. how inferior you are to me physically?
1: <laughs> and then Carl says, I'm, I wasn't going to be a rat, which is, again, also amazing because he, he was a rat. He was the ultimate He just rat. had no actual names to give. And then he pretended that all along it was Thomas. It's just irritating. But mm. I also am unsurprised. Mm. And here the shift moves over to Thomas. The guys just start really digging into Thomas and talking about how manipulative he was, how fake he was, what a liar he was.
0: I feel very protective of Thomas. I
1: know. I always have hated it when at these tell-alls people talk about someone who's not even there. Mm -hmm. I just think it's not fair. Even if that person was the shittiest person ever to be on this franchise, it's not fair.
0: Everyone knows how you feel about Thomas.
1: Yes. Interestingly, Hunter... Somewhat defends Thomas here. He says, I don't think Thomas is a bad person. I think this setting makes you do things and think things and feel things that you wouldn't normally do. I think he made some poor choices and kind of got caught up in that.
0: I applaud him, but yes. I do think part of this was him
1: Defending himself. Th-
0: defending himself because he became Thomas two point or yeah. one point 5, five, as James said. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah,
0: another cheap but I, shot. But
1: I think that the reason he has that perspective is also because it did happen to him. Yeah, like circumstance made him say and do and feel and think things mm-hmm. that he thought he had a handle on, and clearly he didn't. And I think that's the perfect way of wording the situation because sure, they were they had these moments of dishonesty, but like we said in that episode with Hunter, when suddenly a light is on you and you're on stage and you're being asked to defend yourself it's easy to see why you would be like well i i am falling for her even if earlier i didn't word it exactly correctly but we're going to get to that now so the the shift now moves over to hunter it's Mm -hmm. it's basically uh past the baton of of or it's more like
0: like past the pinata
1: (laughs) yes good good job (laughs) so now we're talking about hunter and james apparently called hunter thomas 2.0 And I thought it was funny that Hunter was the one to remind everyone that it was actually Mm 1.5 instead of 2.0.
0: Self-deprecating. It is.
1: And then James feels the need to explain that by saying half the size, but twice the bleep. What's he saying? Twice the shit? Twice the bullshit? Twice
0: the dick? Twice the... Nah, that would be... I don't know why... I don't know what they bleep. I can only
1: imagine bullshit.
0: Oh, you're probably right. It was bullshit.
1: Half the size, but twice the bullshit? Yeah, it's like he
0: so so Hunter just self-deprecated and now James is adding on to the insult.
1: James is defining why it was one point five.
0: Right, as if we had no idea.
1: Yeah. To be fair, I think either Taysha or Caitlin was like I I don't understand. Like explain the one point five. But fine. James is involved in a lot of
0: James (sighs) likes to be like, I feel like James is kind of thinks of himself as kind of like, you know, the elder statesman somehow. (laughs) But he's really all he does is just kind of better articulate insults and finger pointing yeah
1: (laughs) actually if we're going to talk about the the honesty police which are Aaron Trey James and somewhat Brendan Mm -hmm. you thought Trey was the beat cop yes Aaron was the police chief yes I think James is like
0: he's like the district attorney
1: (laughs) (laughs) and then here James says something interesting he's the only one I think in the whole episode to suggest that Thomas actually was honest. He says at least Thomas was honest and forthcoming while he felt Hunter wasn't. Hmm. I just thought it was funny how the only time that there was any defense for Thomas was to make someone else look worse.
0: Yeah. Is
1: that something a district attorney would do?
0: You gotta slow down taking this analogy too literally (laughs) because I I didn't think it all through.
1: Hunter owns the dishonesty with the top four thing. He's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I did do that. And the love thing, but I love to hear how he differentiated between saying he was in love and falling in love. Yes. Because I think that the, the L word just gets thrown around way too willy-nilly mm-hmm. on this show. And mm-hmm. actually, I once had a recap sort of mocking the timeline of falling. Like, I can imagine myself falling in love. Right. I, can, I picture myself falling in love. I am officially falling in love. I am officially now in love.
0: Right, It's like the nine stages of falling in love, yeah, they're if, all articulated, yeah,
1: as if it actually works like that in right. that order. Like, right. on some time, I'm timeline. on level
0: six of love, <laughs> I'm good, I'm working towards seven.
1: So, I liked that Hunter said, Is there a difference between being in love and falling in love? To me, there is. On the whole, I thought Hunter handled this so well, excellent. Once again, showing that he's 34.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then, Trey, god, Trey. He continues to dissect this. He's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, you said this and the wording was like this. And then you told the, you told uh, Shea Kool-Aid this. And then you said this when you were asked this. And then Hunter says, yeah, hindsight is twenty twenty. I wish I'd said the perfect things and I didn't.
0: Mm-hmm. Trey." Talks too much.
1: He talks a lot. He's a little holier than thou Mm -hmm. for me based on that. He's
0: one of those contestants who I believe like Aaron and kind of like James and, you know, the the policeman Mm -hmm. who kind of um, focused more on analyzing other people's experience than actually trying to win katie's love yeah i know we've discussed or just even
1: having your own experience or
0: just yeah just just i don't think the whole thing thing. don't keep looking at what everybody else is doing yeah like he's just all he does is just analyze like you can't get away with between him and aaron it's like you can't get away with anything yeah like if i took too many hors d'oeuvres in the morning (laughs) like i saw you eating too much you're getting a little heavy like what (laughs) the guy's on top of everything
1: it's so true And here, Connor B. decides to join the fray. He defends Hunter and says, I was his roommate. I know that he was falling in love with him. Say what you want. And then James says, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. And Connor B. says, and yours is wrong. I'm just (laughs) telling you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And when Connor throws shade, you know it's on
2: point.
1: Yes. I loved this moment. He really came at it from a sort of a matter-of-fact way. And of course... You can't, it's never going to end with Aaron, Trey, and James. It never dies. It's like, no. well, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Oh, well, you said it like this. Oh, well, you said that. Like, it's just, there's never an end. It's always like trailing off with this little, like, yeah. getting the last word they, in. They,
0: it's more like they treat the show like they're on Survivor rather than they're on Threat.
1: Yeah, like there is some debate that needs yeah. winning.
0: And you made a really good point here
1: mm-hmm.
0: that you can tell right away without ever having watched one minute of yeah, the season I know you're who say. the front runners were. In that season during the Mentel all. Just yeah. watch the men tell all. You're like, that guy's a front runner. That guy's a front runner. That guy's kind of in the middle. And those five guys pff, never had a shot.
1: I do feel like in this moment, you could see the hierarchy. Yeah. Like, of course, there's Michael, Andrew, Connerby. They're like the top dogs among this group. Yep. Now, if Blake and Justin and Greg were there, then maybe things would be shifted slightly. But in this group, the top dogs are pretty clear. And it's funny to me how even over these little debates that have nothing to do with who's a front runner, Mm -hmm. you can see there is a little bit of reverence Mm -hmm. for the people who were the top dogs Yeah,
0: And when Connor B. basically tells James to shut it, James is kind of like, oh, yes, sir. And it's funny
1: because I feel like in another realm, I'm not sure if Connor B., of all people, told someone like James to shut it, that James would turn around with his tail between his legs, but it worked in this scenario.
0: James would be the alpha Yes, in that scenario. Yeah, Yeah. but in this scenario, it's different. Yeah, and it's interesting to note that of those four obvious frontrunners who are just the cool, confident ones who don't say that much, the only negative comment that was made was about Connor B. defending a negative comment made about Hunter. it
1: was in defense of someone else. Right. Yeah, that says something. Mm -hmm. It actually ties back to what we've always been talking about all season, which is the confidence thing.
0: Yeah, if you're confident, you are not focusing on what other guys are doing wrong.
1: Nope. 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 Okay, so now we have hot seat time Mm -hmm. and not a ton of development here. First up is Connor B., he was first of all he looks great with a beard. I just yes. want to go on the record saying that. I also that.
0: think Michael looks good with a beard. And I usually don't like the goatee look, but I think Michael it works. I thought
1: a goatee is only it's only when you have the he, soul. He has patch a
0: goatee-esque beard. Really? It's in the goatee family.
1: I thought it was cute that he revealed he's texted exes to ask if he was a bad kisser. <sighs>
0: As if they're going to tell him it was a bad kisser.
1: <laughs> they, you don't think they would? Unless
0: they... If they had a bad breakup, maybe they'd tell him that.
1: <laughs> this got really weird really fast when an audience member named Tara oh. comes out of nowhere and then comes down and they kiss. I, I, this was just very Jerry Springer to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it was yeah. just sort of like, what's happening? And I guess he had been checking her out and he admitted he'd been checking her out. She saw him checking her out, which is cute. Yeah. And then I guess they exchanged numbers. But... I don't know. To me, I, I, I get that this was validating Connerby's abilities to kiss, which is yeah. cute, I guess. But yeah. it also felt really staged and kind of fake and a, a little bit trashy to me. Yeah. Yeah. Not to sound... I don't want to sound judgmental. I just... For me, a kiss is something that is worked up to based on chemistry and connection. And so it's a little weird when it's like, I'm sure you're a good kisser. Let's now put our mouths on each other right. and discover whether or not I'm Right.
0: I mean, the fact that we're talking about it means it probably had some value. So (laughs) maybe they made the right call.
1: Okay. Okay. And then we have Andrew S. Nothing really new here. He just reaffirms that he was really into her. Mm -hmm. It was cute. He said he grew up watching rom-coms with his mom and he's a hopeless romantic. He gave it his all. He's a sweetheart, but nothing new here, really.
0: Andrew S. Always in my heart.
1: Always in your heart. And so then we have Michael's Hot Seat Time. He reveals that he wants to say watching the segment back brings him back to that place. But since that day, he's been feeling it the entire time, Mm. which leads Caitlin to sort of ask, oh, wait, do you think that you would revisit a relationship with Katie? Which, by the way, I think Caitlin is a great host. She's very good at sort of rolling absolutely with what she's given michael says it's what he had to do to be a great parent to a beautiful son and that balance that all single parents try to keep together which is taking care of somebody that they truly love while simultaneously trying to find happiness for themselves he says when you pursue one it can feel as though it takes away from another it's a constant juggling act i feel like single parents everywhere I probably stood mm-hmm. up and applauded to this. Yep, yep. I think it's very relatable what he said here. Also, can we talk about how incredibly articulate he is?
0: Yes, we can.
1: <laughs> Michael is really well-spoken. And I often feel in these tell-alls, you can suddenly see that someone who you thought was really well-spoken maybe just isn't. Yes. And Michael is super well-spoken.
0: Yeah, you don't need to edit him.
1: No. he's just He says it right the first time.
0: Yeah, they must love him. the. the The back office of Bachelor just loves watching Michael talk.
1: The vibe is very, this could work later, or like if love exists, it'll find a way, that kind of thing. And yeah, it's just kind of a tear-jerking hot seat segment. Caitlin, can't stop crying. I love Caitlin. Yeah. She's just a sweetheart.
0: Friend of the show.
1: Friend of the show. So here we have the smack-talking segment, which was cute. Sure. In general, we start to see now a lot of a lot of evidence that there's a lot of friendship going on in the house. Operation Woe Woe is shown, which is where Michael admitted he was out of the challenge. He comes off very cute in this. And to me, it made me think even more that he might become Bachelor. Mm -hmm. And then Jason comes out, Jason Tartik. And they show his proposal to Caitlin, which was cute. It was cute. I had never seen this in its entirety. And I was just like,
0: "Caitlyn's reaction was priceless.
1: It was priceless. I love how unfiltered she is. Anyway, friend of the pod in case you haven't seen it yet. Our love fest with Caitlin and Jason. I'm going to link it out right now. So Katie finally arrives and not a ton happens here. She sort of shuts down the possibility with Michael in the future. Did but you notice that? But she has that? to. She's yeah, she It's an she obligatory
0: has to. shutting down. What is she... Like, she's with... You know, I don't so believe. She's ostensibly with someone yeah, from the so season. So you can't say like, yeah, but, I think there is hope for us. Yeah.
1: And she says she believes everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. In general, I found v- Katie very stiff and uncomfortable yeah. during the tell-all. Which, by the way, I don't say in a negative way. I think it's actually endearing when someone is uncomfortable. Sure, human. I think it's so important for people to re- remember that during these tell-alls, it's the first time that you're really in this setting with an audience, a live audience. I mean, also
0: imagine, like, you know, trying to compare it to real life. Imagine if you were suddenly put in a room with all your ex-girlfriends or boyfriends. Yeah, ex.
1: Yeah. I mean,
0: (laughs) you know, it's... Yeah. With some room for error there, yeah, but, and you have a live audience. It's mm-hmm. right. Ra- it's an insane experience.
1: Yeah, I think it's very different from the live audience when you're first crowned as bachelorette, where it's just softball questions sure. and it's all easy. This is a totally different scenario, and I think if I were bachelorette and had to go to my mental wall, I would be just. I'd be peeing my pants. Mm -hmm. I honestly would be. And I think that you can see that in her. And in general, I think you should be uncomfortable in this situation. It it bothers me when people are too comfortable. I'll put it that way. True. Not much to say about any of the conversations with the guys here, except for the fact that she does call Aaron Thomas.
0: (laughs) Which we... Amazing. I've called Aaron Thomas a million times. But now that I know Thomas better and I know Aaron better, I apologize to Thomas.
1: It's pretty great. And to me, once again, this reflected how nervous and uncomfortable she was. Yeah. This is pretty I mean, great. they do have a similar They have aura. a similar something. Yeah. They do. And then here, Connor B. sings a song about bromance. And we have to talk about this for a second. Because I am telling you, this was a calculated decision. Not mm. on Connor B.'s part, on production's part, to air this. Because in the past, we never, ever, ever would have seen a segment dedicated to the friendships among the guys. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to show bloopers or these funny moments where you you see that there are friendships. This was literally like everyone sing along to how good friends we are now. Right, right, right. And I feel it was almost a decision made on purpose, given how incredibly toxic some recent tell alls have felt. I know you don't really know what I'm talking about. It has been more so with Bachelor seasons, but some recent tell-alls have been like, I need to take a shower after. Mm, It's just so icky. And so it kind of felt like they were trying to steer away from that, and I was very into it. Nothing to say to that.
0: Um, (laughs) I don't disagree. (laughs)
1: Zero opinion. And then with Carl, Katie says something really interesting. She says, the men were more important to me than you as an individual. This really stood out because I felt like you could have applied this to the reasoning behind her sending home every single guy based on hearsay. Right. She basically was prioritizing a positive vibe in the house and the environment for the men over whatever maybe half explored feelings she felt for someone.
0: Or at least that's what she said many weeks after the incident, (laughs) having whitewashed it.
1: (laughs) True, true. And then finally we have Thomas, Mm -hmm. who dials in. (sighs) (sighs) Ah. What were your thoughts on this?
0: Uh, I don't know. I I just none. Am I allowed to have no thoughts?
1: You are allowed to have no thoughts. I feel like that's about accurate. There was not a lot to work with here. It did feel like they were trying to get water under the bridge without actually addressing any of the stuff that we had beef with. Mm -hmm. But Thomas basically is like, when was that shift? And to me, I felt like this was spoon fed. And maybe I'm overthinking this. I can totally admit I'm overthinking this because I am an overthinker. But to me, it felt like this question Thomas might have been encouraged to ask. Because it allowed Katie to own having sent him home, not based on hearsay. Does that make sense? Yes. So he says, what happened? When was that shift? And she said, the night of the rose ceremony... And as I talked to you about what we were going through, I was practically crying and you were smiling at me and giving your speech. And it just didn't feel genuine. OK. But at that point, we have to remember that the seed had been planted by other guys. You know, like they, sure. they, he was embroiled in a lot of wrong reasons. Chatter. Mm-hmm. And I feel here she was indirectly claiming that she had come to that conclusion on her own, that she was planning on sending him home at some Again,
0: point. Again, she's revisiting she's had much time to think about the best and, way she should have reacted and has
1: gotten much flack
0: yes i course. don't think
1: we were the only ones to take issue with how she sent it's Thomas not Mink.
0: fair you, you ever like be in a situation a tense situation with somebody and they say things that are really offending you or upsetting you yeah. and you just you don't respond with anything good you're just like blah 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 blah, blah. and then like 20 minutes later you're like oh man <laughs> i could have said that that would have been awesome
1: esprit d'escalier
0: Is that what that's called? It's
1: my favorite expression. It means later on remembering or thinking of something that you wish you had said.
0: I'm going to use the esprit d'escalier. Yes. Yes. So as you just so eloquently and and francophilely stated, (laughs) I think this was a a perfect example of in retrospect, I would have felt and said this. Mm -hmm. So who knows?
1: Yeah. And it's also easy to be like, yeah. And I did feel that in that moment, that conversation, I did have those feelings, but I also think that that's... It's just such a, a sliver of what actually happened. Right. I, I, To me, it read as her being like, I was always going to send you home. It was my own intuition. It had nothing to do with what I was told because no doubt has she gotten flack for sending so many guys home, a total of four men home based on hearsay.
0: But also the manner in which she sent Thomas home was unacceptable no matter what he did.
1: Well, so about that.
0: Mm, here we have a... a, a Empty apology, I believe (laughs) you're going to
2: lead to.
1: Yeah, yes. I I don't want to be a dick. I think Katie is a wonderful bachelorette and Mm -hmm. person. Sure. But here Thomas is just like, I learned so much. You know, I wish you all the best, blah, blah, blah. I had a lovely time. He's just really kind about it and katie responds in reflecting back it is unfortunate how things were explained and ultimately handled in the moment i did what was best for me in the way i chose to send you home Mm. but i will say that if that caused you any pain i do apologize for that and i do wish nothing but the best for you okay so this is kind of a non-apology like i think it's nice of her to address it at all a lot of bachelorettes would not Sure. A lot of them would be like, oh, yeah, I wish you the best, too. Like, I stand by everything I did. There was a tone here that suggested, I know that how I sent you home was shitty. I personally would have preferred a, I wish that I hadn't sent you home in this Just way. Regret. I think it was unnecessarily hurtful.
0: A little bit of regret.
1: A little bit of, of regret, not a, if that hurt you, I'm sorry, right. which I'm is sorry never that a real that you're, apology. I'm sorry
0: you're such a softy. I apologize for your soft feelings. Y- yeah,
1: if, if that hurt you, if that right. thing I did hurt you. But I did appreciate how she said how things were explained and ultimately handled were unfortunate. Mm-hmm. She did that much. She did. No,
0: it's it's she got uh, she got like a C plus B minus for that <laughs> apology.
1: As opposed to a straight up F. So what's an example of an F apology?
0: An F apology is I'm really sorry you feel that way. It's the patronizing. I'm sorry you have fragile emotions. Not yeah. my, it's, it's the worst apology you can ever give. Yeah. It's way worse than saying nothing.
1: Mm hmm yeah she did not get a b minus c plus for at least alluding Uh, to the fact that the way she sent him home was possibly shitty
0: yeah it was like a restaurant that doesn't put enough seasoning in their food
1: but you leave you're like i'm you know i'm not
0: hungry anymore i'm not hungry you still got what you ordered as opposed to going to a restaurant where you get food poisoning which is (laughs) which is i'm sorry you feel that way
1: (laughs) okay and then we have bloopers and that's a wrap for this episode how do you feel about recapping a, a tell-all? It kind of feels like recapping a recap.
0: I feel a little dirty. <laughs> I feel like, like I've, I need a recap shower. It's yeah. too much. It's too almost. I feel like, yeah, I'm analyzing an analysis.
1: Yeah. And I will say this tell-all in particular did not bring anything new. All we know is that these guys were even more friendly with each other than we thought. Sure. But in terms of conflict resolution or water being under the bridge, the best we got really was Thomas. And even that felt kind of performative for Katie, mm-hmm. not for Thomas, actually. I felt like Thomas was totally on brand, actually. Yeah. And I felt like this the Thomas thing was more of an opportunity for Katie to come off a little better with regards to Thomas. Does that make sense? Yes, I will
0: I will say one thing about Thomas is many particularly 6 foot 5 240 pound men like Thomas is <laughs> can learn a lesson from the way he never ever loses his temper but not only doesn't lose his temper never raises his voice yeah no matter how much people throw shade at him no matter how angry he deservedly could be mm-hmm. never raises his voice never says anything nasty to anybody mm mm-hmm. It's impressive, and I think people can learn from it. I that. thought
1: he came off great, yeah. He owned having made mistakes, mm-hmm. and it was just like, I learned a lot, you're a wonderful person, have a great time, great life. Thomas, Thomas. <laughs>
0: I'm looking forward to a Bachelor in Paradise appearance.
1: I, I, I mean, hope. I hope, yeah, I don't I, actually it's know. It's but...
0: hard to imagine he's not. I mean, it's it's in his court to turn that down. Let's put yes, that way. Yes,
1: absolutely. Okay, so, Word Watch, Andy... Mm-hmm. There were three scareds.
0: There were. And there were eight winners. A
1: whopping eight winners. Congratulations to Mary Gow, C.M. Bakewell, Zal Sadi 626. I hope I said that right. Mm. Emily Henry, August Voteman, Louisa D'Souza, L. Alana, and V. Sand 14. You guys all guessed correctly. Kudos to you.
0: I mean, to be fair, I'm not sure everyone was aware that this would be an abbreviated episode. Yeah. So if you if you prorated it out, I mean, I honestly think we may have had like 10 scareds. Yeah. But that's irrelevant. Especially
1: if Tasha was in the episode more. Yeah. <laughs>
0: exactly. But they're still winners. Yeah. I'm not taking anything away. No.
1: Eight winners. You all guessed correctly. Well done. All right, Andy. Mm-hmm. Do you feel ready to get to our predictions?
0: They're getting a lot easier. <laughs>
1: They are so now. We're down to three, mm-hmm. and you have lost your front runner of many many weeks. Shall we have our moment of silence now for Michael? Or does it feel different? I don't know if that Michael
0: um, deserves a moment of silence. No. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Michael.
1: So someone has to get heartbroken and leave unwillingly. Yeah, Michael
0: can't leave on like on his own volition and then get a moment of silence. Okay, if okay. anything, Katie deserves a moment of silence. That's
1: true. OK, so we're... and
0: I deserve a moment of silence because <laughs> I think he would have been the winner. So we're robbed.
1: not. <laughs> so we're not doling out moments of silence. No, it easily has to be here. tragic.
0: OK, you can't have Fair? someone just leave the show and get a moment of silence. Fair. Come so on. Michael
1: is not getting a moment of silence. No. So in that case, who do you have in your top spot based on episode eight?
0: Let's be clear. I'm actually a little sore with Michael. I'm <laughs> not happy what he did. He
1: prevented you from having He's t- predicted I, yeah, correctly. Yeah, he
0: stole my number one. Yeah. Yeah, it's ruined, all about you. He ruined my top four <laughs> with his child.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so who's, who's in your top spot now?
0: Well, I actually am a little bit relieved because I finally can put Blake where I kind of had a hunch he should be. Yeah in the number one spot
1: okay i don't really think that needs any explaining no
0: it's pretty damn obvious um greg obviously number two i'm not is did that- i
1: ask you your number two let me get to my number one which is also blake i actually think that our top three will all be aligned so we might as well just do it together yeah the shandy top spot prediction is blake mm-hmm. second place prediction is greg mm-hmm. and we think justin is going home next week
2: not really it's hard going. to put Justin
1: ahead of Greg. We literally know nothing about Justin. If
0: Justin doesn't go home next week, it'll be because Greg left.
1: Yes. There's a lot to be seen with the Greg thing. And I don't know what's going to happen because I feel like <clears throat> the fact that the previews suggested Michael might leave for his son and ended up being correct make me wonder if the previews suggesting Greg might leave because he has doubts... ...are not going to happen because why would they preview accurately the same thing twice? It's impossible.
0: It's it's mathematically impossible. That... That they, they teased Greg leaving after teasing Michael leaving and they both leave.
1: So wait, so now you think Greg stays. I
0: think Greg stays.
1: Okay, so in that case you still think Blake I, wins? I have a
0: slight concern Greg leaves, but it's <laughs> it's it's less than it used to be. Okay. I, I feeling like, I I feel like Greg is like, you know, I'm go, I'm doing this. Okay. Like he already he made his decision last episode. He yeah. was on the on the fence. He's like I'm going to do this.
1: Okay. Wait, so if you think Greg does not leave, you still have him in your second spot. You still think Katie is picking Blake over Greg? Uh-oh. Are we changing this on the go?
0: (laughs) You know, you put... I'm I'm in a tough spot here (laughs) because I don't think Greg's heart is fully in it. Therefore, he should probably leave. Is he going to leave? I feel less strongly about that than before, primarily because Because of the reverse psychology of the teaser. Yes. (laughs) So it is very tough. I'm going to just make my bets on Greg staying, but... I know she said he was the best kisser. I know she said that. About Greg. And I did put a lot of weight on that. That was a very important it's huge. tell. huge. But I believe the overall package of Blake is just by a nose going to beat out the slight waffling of Greg that Katie senses, my opinion. Or you can make a case that the slight <laughs> waffling makes her feel even more strongly about Greg. <laughs> and I'm not going to go there. I'm saying Blake then Greg, with the caveat, disclaimer, that Greg may leave, but if he doesn't leave, I still think that Blake's going to win.
1: Yeah, it's tough. I mean, they've done a good job of not making it clear who she's going to pick. I'll put it this way. I just feel that Greg fills her with doubt. Like she, you know, she, you can tell she's apprehensive about Greg. He doesn't. Show his feelings a lot, and she's she's always checking in on him. She's said multiple times that she's afraid he's going to leave. I can see some women liking him more for that reason, but I don't see Katie as being that person. I think Katie I think has you're right.
0: She's too proud.
1: Uh, not even about pride. I think it's Katie has self esteem, mm-hmm. and I think she keeps very close tabs on who is really reciprocating,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I think that. Blake reciprocates more on a level that she can jive with yeah, yeah. than Greg. And I, I don't see her chasing down someone at the end of this. So I, I could be wrong, but that's just the feeling I'm getting.
0: I think not unlike a, a prize fight where you go into the 12th round. And for those who don't watch boxing, the 12th round is the final round. <laughs> you go into the 12th round tied on the scorecards. Yeah, You say, well, whoever wins this round is going to win the fight. I think whoever makes a better impression in hometowns is going gonna, is gonna to win between Blake and Greg. And I have this funny feeling that there's going to be an enormous amount of warm and fuzzy with Blake and a lot of issues in the Greg hometown.
1: But then, then part of me thinks, are all the doubts cast on Greg purposely to throw us off the scent that he has been the front runner all along and is just destined to win the season?
0: I think you're right. I think that there is a possibility and, and I've touched on this before about how the guy or whoever gets the first impression rose really just should sit back and just cruise mm-hmm. because they're kind of already winning Yeah, on The Bachelorette particularly. Yeah, you said that last week. Yeah. I think that it's possible that Greg has been such a front runner <laughs> and so clearly the winner that they've had to spend the whole yeah. season kind of throwing cover on them.
1: Yeah. Part of me wonders if that's the case too. And we're just all falling for this. Mm-hmm. You know, he may leave edit
0: I've, I've apparently fallen for it was Blake's in my number one spot yeah as yeah. is he in yours you
1: know what we're both possibly falling for it and I'm I'm we're both laying in the bed that we're making with that it's very possible Greg is not as on the fence as he has seemed all yeah. season and maybe he just struggles with as you always talk about his competitive nature and seeing her with other guys but I'm fully falling for it and I still have Blake in my top spot
0: me too with heavy caveats <laughs>
1: with heavy. i'm hedging myself so I know, hard right I know. now <laughs> all right i think that's a wrap for episode eight i think it is if you enjoyed what you heard today you know what we're going to ask of you we would love it if you would like subscribe hit the notification bell follow us on instagram leave us itunes ratings and reviews and tell your friends and generally do all the things you would do to help a podcast grow because and that's stay the- alive and stay alive Yes. He's like an <laughs> ominous tone. <laughs> well, always ending with that ominous, semi threatening tone. <laughs> Blackmail. <accent. laughs> Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on Dear Shandy. Bye. Dear Shandy.